I consider it one of the most, one of the greatest privileges that I have is praying for people at different times, especially I think of this time when a speaker's coming up. Many of you know Richie, others of you have yet to make friends with one of these, um, one of our most amazing people on campus. It's Richie White. Some of you are going to walk into class going, I don't know what's going on. Is this guy going to be good? And by the end of the semester, you're going to be going, wow, I wish this class was longer. You will fall in love with Richie. He sneaks up on you and hits you with some amazing truths. And I'm looking forward to hearing what he has to say this morning on the Lord's Prayer. Come on up, Richie, as I pray for you. Father, we thank you for this time, this series, the privilege of spending time together. We thank you for this amazing time of worship. We thank you for how you have opened your arms to us. And we invite you to come alive in our hearts in an unreal way. Be supernatural to us, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. I am not a carpenter, nor the son of a carpenter, but I got to work with some carpenters for a few years just before I came here, and uh, I learned how to become a, an apprentice of Jesus, finally got it. What in the world does this have to do with the Lord's Prayer? Well, the first thing you do when you're on the work site after you open up your tool truck and everything is you put on your tool belt. Without destroying the microphone. Have I got everything? No, I haven't got everything yet. Now I've got everything. <laughs> when you put the tool belt on, something happens to me. I flip into uh, work mode. Matthew chapter 6. Verse 5. Now this is Jesus speaking. Now when you pray, you're not to be as the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and on the street corners in order to be seen by men. Truly I say to you, they have their reward in full. But you, when you pray, go into your inner room. And when you have shut your door, pray to your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you openly. Oh, will repay you, sorry. And when you are praying, do not use meaningless repetition as the Gentiles do, for they suppose that they will be heard for their many words. Therefore, do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. Pray then in this way. Our Father in heaven, 
hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Now, this prayer is at the exact, pretty much at the exact center of the Sermon on the Mount. Matthew 5, 6, and 7, the prayer is central. And there's a reason for that, because this message, these three chapters, are probably the best summary of what it means to be a follower of Jesus in the whole of the New Testament. So, we're called to wage peace in an increasingly violent world, not just globally, but also domestically in families. We're called to love our enemies, and we can do that now. We can learn to do that. We can learn to discern the true from the false. We can learn to, to forgive. These are all things that Christ Jesus is saying that we are now capable of because he is our Lord, and so we are his apprentices. I'd like to say three things about the Lord's Prayer. I have some slides here. They can slide up here. The Lord's Prayer, first of all, I believe aligns all of our prayers, Keep, keeping them in line. The Psalms are our, our, our prayers, 150 of them, they're like tools for prayer. The subtitle of Eugene Peterson's book on the Psalms, Answering God. The church has been given the book of Psalms and has prayed them throughout the centuries. It's been the only part of Scripture that's been available in every century to the people of God when the rest of the Bible was not available. They always gave the Psalms to the people, and many of them memorized them. And each Psalm is like a tool. We've got different tools here. Not really a tool, it's more what you wear so you can use your tools. Um, So there's safety glasses, and then of course there's ear protection, you know, which I wish I'd have used more of when I was uh, working. You put them down over your ears, (laughs) off, you begin to hear everything. So uh, that's how that works. They're working really well. Well, did you hear anything? Well, <laughs> and then, uh, of course, um, when I phoned up, uh, I was a pastor for 10 years, my last church we were at, and then uh, God gave me the freedom to lay down the reins, and uh, I'd already arranged with uh, Dale to uh, work for him. I said, I'd like to come and learn how to work with wood. I've never used tools before but something in me wants to work with wood. And he said, sure, you can come. I got a little anxious. Do I have the right clothing for working outdoor in minus 20 and so on? So all the rest of it. Obviously, these, this is not the right footwear, but that's what I'm wearing today. Um, the, um, I phoned him up and said, what do I need to come to the first day of work? He said, well, you need, uh, need a combination square. I said, what? A combination square. 
Uh, I don't know what that is. He said, don't worry, I've got a bunch of them. You can use mine. Here's a combination square. This is my combination square. Four tools in one. And uh, so that's really handy. And of course, you have to have a pencil. Uh, and you have to have something to sharpen the pencil and also to cut. Um, cut your vapor barrier, cut your bats, you know, to size sort of the studs when you're insulating a house. And um, just any time you need, need to use it, you have it. And you need to have it with you wherever you go because you never know. There's another pencil in case the first one breaks. And of course, this is a framer's hammer. And this, this is what you always, you always need that. Uh, and you always got to know what it's doing. If you're doing, uh, yeah, I won't go into that. Um, <laughs> and then, of course, this is the handy uh, tin snips. You can cut siding with this after you've, after you've used this to make straight lines down your siding, and then you can just snip them really fast. Or um, that's vinyl. You can also use it for... Um, and you need to have it here because when somebody's busy putting the siding up and you're, you have to cut exactly the right you know, length and he's giving you the length and you, you, uh, you grab the next sheet of siding, you cut it up and then you have to hand it to him. So you give it to him, he's up on a ladder somewhere and then you go back and you're ready to cut the next piece. So you're always ready. Your tool belt has everything you need in it. Uh, what else? Oh yes. Not all tools you can carry with you, but these tools are all, there's, there's a psalm for every aspect of your Christian life. They're tools for your prayer life. So if you're not familiar with the psalms, how can you pray your fear? How can you pray your grief? How can you pray your joy? There's a psalm, at least one, for each one of the emotions that we can possibly experience. And it's all to be prayed out to God. There's a bigger tool. It's called a persuader. <laughs> and uh, Dave helped me. This, I called him up this morning uh, really quick here, and he put together a little mock-up for me of, of this. This is one of my favorite duties. This is good for uh, destroying bathrooms and kitchens when you want to renovate. And so I had to learn how to become forceful and not, you know, not to be gentle with the bathtub that I'm trying to take off the wall and stuff. But um, this persuader, uh, gooseneck it's called, or crowbar or whatever, uh, I just love using it, but some of our prayers in the Psalms are, are like this. You know, Psalm 51, if you want to pray and confess your sins, Lord, have mercy upon me and give me the grace to be free of this besetting sin. So you'll need some extra help because the nail's too far up and you can get it all the way out. And of course, when it's out, you put it in your pouch so somebody doesn't step on it. But maybe it's a pouch of remembrance of that, of that uh, thing in your life that that after praying, C.S. Lewis couldn't forgive Oldie, his headmaster, when he was a little boy in the, in the public school he was in, in England, who had just tormented the children. 
It took years for Lewis to forgive him. He forgave him whenever he thought of him until one day he realized he could think of Oldie, the headmaster, um, who tormented the, the kids and beat them and so on, shouted at them. He finally knew he had finally forgiven him when he had no more resentment. He, he could think of him and uh, have, have peace. So, anyway, uh, and I could go on. This one of my favorite activities. This is a nail puller, and there's a nail here. I can't get at it with the persuader, so I have to use this and bring it up a little bit, and then I can use this one. So again, these are all tools. The Psalms are tools for prayer, and this isn't a sermon about the Psalms, but why am I talking about them so long? Well, the Psalms train us in praying through a lifetime. The Psalms will be with you. When Pascal was dying, brilliant mathematician became a Christian in France, same time as, time as Descartes. He lay dying. Uh, he was only in his 30s, maybe 40, I don't know. Psalm 119 was his constant companion till he died. The Psalms train us in praying, but the Lord's Prayer keeps us on track. There's one tool that I haven't mentioned, and it's this. It's a Fat Max 25 foot for measuring. Carpenters do basically four things. They measure, they cut, they fasten, and they seal. Uh, I think that, well, I have to think that way about, you know, you do all this work and how does this work? But this, this is, is to be used, uh, and after a while you, your hand actually knows how to use it right, and you're able to measure, you know, things really fast, and, and uh, at long distances, this stretches out 11 feet without breaking, and if it goes further, it will break, like so. But uh, always, uh, yeah, don't let it come back at you real fast. Just, I did that when I got this as a gift, as a pastor, and they knew I was going to work for Dale. Uh, one of his apprentices bought one of these for me. I think this is the one. It might be, might be the second one. But I, I, I said, let's take this out. Here's this. I never, I didn't know how to use it. Let's take this way out, and now let's bring it all the way back. Let's just, and it, it just rolled back, and, and they said, no, stop, stop. <laughs> I almost cut my, you know, tore my finger off when it hit the end. This is the measuring. You use this over and over. You're always measuring stuff, usually, if you're trying to cut stuff. You have to measure it, measure it, measure it, measure it. The Lord's Prayer is like a measuring tape. It keeps our prayers on track. So, I, I agree with Scott McKnight when he said, actually, Jesus is telling us to recite this prayer, to memorize it, and to recite it together. And the church has been doing that. As you recite it, um, you'll notice there are three you prayers and three us prayers. It's divided that way. Hallowed be your name, 
your kingdom come, your will be done. And then there's three us prayers. Give us this day. Forgive us. And uh, what's the third one? Lead us not into temptation. I haven't been really a big fan of reciting prayers publicly because they go too fast for me. But the goal there is for everyone to learn to carry this around like a tool belt. Here it is. It's right front. It's right central, right here. Easy to get at. Right in there. If it's not in there, you're in trouble because where did I leave it, right? So, so the Lord's Prayer aligns all our prayers. And secondly... He said, the Lord's Prayer shapes our hearts. So we need to soak in it. And this is where we need to go beyond just reciting. We need to soak in this prayer. Uh, Scott McKnight has put it this way, let its words work their way into our heart and bones. Why? Because a lot of other words have worked their way into our heart and bones, and not all of it is good for us. Those other words have shaped us, they've hardened us, they've banged us up. So we recite the Lord's Prayer so we can carry it with us day or night in order to soak in it, changing the metaphor. I didn't know how you could improvise a shower here on stage, so that we might soak in the Lord's Prayer and that it might soak into us, seeping down into the pores of our understanding and our desires. So let's do a 15-minute soak. Well, let's do a 10-minute soak. Our Father in heaven, it's the intro. And don't just say this. Speak openly to God. Every time you pray, always, now, who am I talking to? And then talk to, talk to God. Don't talk to your idea of God. Just talk to God. Our Father in heaven, so you have intimacy and awe. Our Father, intimacy in heaven, awe. And that's what we long for. And there's three short requests in this prayer. The three you prayers. We're saying in these prayers, our Father, do these three things. You do them. The first one is cause your name to be honored above all names. Now, I'm um, trying to bring out what I think is these, each of these phrases is saying. Cause your name to be honored above all names. Only God can reveal God. We can't. Only God can. We can't persuade somebody else of our experience of God. So, cause your name to be honored above all names. This is important because each of us has inherited a distorted picture of God from our childhood, right? And we need to stop worshiping the God of our Father and worship the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. And many idols vie for our allegiance uh, all around us. They're in our face. Uh, 
So Jesus calls us to pray this, and he expects this prayer to be answered. This is the prayer he prayed. Father, glorify your name, John 17. Second thing here, uh, your kingdom come. It's complete your new society under King Jesus. I agree with McKnight that the kingdom is manifested through a people, the people of the king. And so, again, God is going to complete his new society, call it his church, his assembly, under King Jesus, right? He's going to do this. He alone can do this. And one day it will be complete. And that's what drove Jesus to the cross, says in Hebrews chapter 12, uh, for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, uh, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of God. What was the joy that was set before him? I think it was described in Isaiah 62, 1 to 7. You will be a crown of beauty in the hand of the Lord. Well, who is he talking to? This is a servant song, so it's a song of the suffering servant, right? He's talking about the bride of the bridegroom. The joy that was set before Jesus is the beautification, the final glory of a people who follow him and are set free by him. That was what motivated him to go to the cross. That was the joy he knew was on the other side of the cross was you and I and 10,000 other uh, assemblies in 10,000 villages, right? So Jesus said, I will build my assembly. And he's sure doing an interesting job now in terms of uh, mass migrations of people, new people coming over from Syria uh, and... <clears throat> Prayers for an Arabic-speaking church to start in Red Deer are ascending, and uh, hopefully there will be one uh, that begins to grow and thrive there. Thirdly, fully accomplish your purpose on earth, on this earth. I mean this earth. Uh, he said on earth. He meant on earth. Your will be done on earth. So that the whole earth may be a holy temple. The earth will be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Well, that's pretty much all the sea. Isaiah 11, verse 9. <clears throat> that was part of the vision that Jesus had, that the glory of, of the Father will cover the whole earth, all the way to Portugal and then to the lands beyond, uh, all the way east, all the way west and north and south. It's one of the things that kept him step by step heading forward, doing the will of the Father, because he knew that one day the earth, this earth, the earth will be full of the knowledge of God, of the Lord, as the waters cover the sea. But here's the thing. God always works in particulars. He always deals personally God doesn't see anything in general. We like to do that. We, we, I want to get the big picture. 
<clears throat> I question whether or not God ever sees the big picture. Think about that. He always sees all the details all the time. God is in the details. So, Father, accomplish your purpose on earth in this family, in this workplace where I work, in this plot of ground where I plant the garden. It's always particular. Accomplish your will. It's, it's not general. So, the earth will not dissolve like snow. It will be transformed. Now, the three us prayers. Give us this day our daily bread. Now it's us, right? So give me my daily bread, but give us our daily bread. Well, how far does your us extend, right? So this addresses the issue of fear in our lives. The fear of not having enough. That's the big issue of affluence and scarcity. So if I pray, give us our daily bread, then how do I respond to the prayer request in the, in the weekly and the monthly prayer list that we're given at the church I attend when I pray for these people who don't have daily bread, right? So I pray that God will give them daily bread, right? He's the one who has to give it. I'm not going to end there, don't worry. Uh, forgive us then our failures as we forgive others. Failures include sins of omission and sins of commission, debts and trespasses. So they're all failures. So forgiven people forgive others. So this is the crisis of forgiveness which all of us enter and hopefully get through okay over and over throughout our lives. We will always be wounded. We will, uh, we will be uh, sideswiped by people. Uh, being a Christian means you're going to expect to be hurt by people, right? So get used to it, but not get bitter by it. Learn to be forgiving. Forgiveness requested from God but denied to others reveals a heart that has not received the forgiving grace of God. That's, this is not forgiving others in order to receive the mercy of God, but as an evidence that you have received the mercy of God. But Jesus sharpens the edge on this to say, if you don't forgive others, your heavenly Father will not forgive you. What he's trying to say there is, if you don't forgive others, if you don't desire to forgive others, then where, where is, don't you have any forgiveness in your life at all? You see, so this forgiveness is a crisis that we must go through. And uh, some of us have more difficulty forgiving than others. Uh, and so we each have to deal with our own stuff. And uh, so this is um, important. Thirdly, the third ask prayer, keep us from sin when we're tempted. This is the issue of devotion. Do we really want God more than anything else or more than anyone else? Uh, devotion is tested early. When you're young, it's, uh, it'll never be easier to become fully devoted to God than now and to be able to grow in that because life gets more and more complicated and uh, 
there's lots of options that are presented to us for ultimate devotion. The third thing that the Lord's Prayer does is it guides our hands and our feet so we are to live it out. So we join God in what He is doing. Right? Discipleship and discernment. We join God in what He is doing. In what we have asked Him to do. So, as we pray this prayer, as we soak in it, then it begins to affect more and more how we live. So we join God in what He is doing. So we honor His name. We want to honor it. So we seek to build one another up, which is locally the way that God is going to complete His new society. We work locally. We work where we are. Everything that's done, everything that's done prayerfully, every nail that's driven, every nail that's pulled, every seed that's sown will be resurrected somehow. It's never lost. 1 Corinthians 15, 57 um, mentions this. So be steadfast and movable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, whether it's this or baking a cake or whatever it is, knowing that your labor in the Lord is not for nothing. So God's in the details. He makes sure that not one single thing goes wasted. So if you put in a crop and it's been hailed out, don't worry. If you want to read a very good short story by Tolkien on this, read Leaf by Niggle. So we, we work for our daily bread. It just doesn't show up on our tables kind of miraculously. So we work for the means also to feed those who have none. So that's why we pray for good infrastructure in countries that have been mined to death like Angola or Mozambique. We pray for good government so that food can get to the right people who can't afford to make their own bread. All these things, it's, it's, it's really... And we work for that. So if you're an engineer, that's your work under God. Helping people, helping, working with God, joining God in giving daily bread to people. We practice forgiveness and we find ways to cultivate the garden of devotion to one Lord. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.